This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by TeamPay. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to automatically enforce spend policies and gain full transparency into requests for funds, all the way to reconciliation? And what if you could do that while empowering your employees to buy what they need when they need it? TeamPay gives total control and real-time visibility into spending. TeamPay's distributed spend management platform automates the purchasing workflow and gives you proactive controls and real-time visibility over company spend. And TeamPay also empowers your employees with a user-friendly purchasing experience. When employees make a request, TeamPay automatically enforces policies, issues intelligent payments, and automatically sends the transaction data to your accounting system pre-coded. To learn more about how TeamPay modernizes how you manage spending, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash TeamPay. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash T-E-A-M-P-A-Y. I hire one or two people dedicated to me 24-7, and now I know my interest is in their heart. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. I'm David Leary. And I'm Angelo Robles of Family Office Association. Awesome. Thanks for joining us here live at Intact Advantage 2019 in Las Vegas. We are here in front of a giant digital billboard. Welcome to Sage Intact Advantage, never-ending imagination. And it's fun to be here. It's, thank you so much for joining us. And we're really eager to be talking to you about... About family offices. I found you, I went through the 250 sessions, I think, that were happening <laughs> this event. And I looked at, I was like, that sounds interesting. We should have him on the podcast. Yeah. And the connection happened. And so now you're here and we want to learn about family offices. And, and so, you know, my background in public accounting was in outsourced accounting. Angelo, I, um, I was on the same floor as the business management team, and I understand there are some parallels between like family office and say business management. Uh, yeah, could you give us give us and our listeners an overview of like what exactly family office means in the accounting world? Sure. And it's great to be here, guys. Great to be at the MGM in Vegas. I think the first time among my 50 times to Vegas, I'm ever wearing a suit. <laughs> <laughs> it looks very nice for those of you who can't see it. Yeah. And the suit it must be a part of the family office thing, right? You got to dress to impress. The audience is missing my double-breasted suit. Yeah. I, I, I always wear my best suits when I can't be seen visually. <laughs> <laughs> they well, could imagine in their mind. We'll, we'll get a picture Ooh. and we'll we'll stick that up on social media along with the podcast. So. It'll be proof. I'm not kidding about it'll, my suit. It'll be proof that we're here too, right? <laughs> we just... Behind the giant digital billboard. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so so yeah. Um, what brought you away from your family to Las Vegas to talk about family office? Uh, coming to Las Vegas is not the hardest thing for me to do, so Sage Intech had a pretty easy job over there. But there certainly is a tie-in to the great work that Sage Intech does around the world with accounting and their amazing software and how family offices would benefit from the utilization of greater technologies. And a lot of them are still a little dated. They're doing things a little bit, you know, we would look at it as that, that's like 10, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You've got to leverage technology, and I've been talking about that and what I do for a long time. Uh, and I realize we totally skipped past that first question. Yeah, which is what is a family office? <laughs> yeah, so what is it? Well, at least we started talking about my suit and about how it could be impactful too. That's probably a better first question. But I suppose you're right to add some context in terms of what I'm saying. I'm the founder and chairman of an organization in Greenwich, Connecticut called Family Office Association. And in simple terms, that means what is a family office? I define it so we're very narrow, we're an inch wide and a mile deep. To me, it's a single family office. A single family office is an entity created by one family of great, great wealth to internally and exclusively manage their money, 
and often there are other affairs. So if you're a billionaire, even lesser, but if you're a billionaire, almost every billionaire will have their own single family office. A lot of podcasters have family yeah. offices, I imagine. You guys are on the way. You just got to get the right advertisers. What's the minimum? How much do David and I need to make from the Cloud Accounting Podcast to hire somebody to run our family office? Well, since you bring that up, in my conversation at the Sage Intech conference today, I spoke about the rise of the merely the ultra, ultra affluent, theoretically being able to create their own what we call a virtual single family office. And I'm going to make the argument. Historically, it would be probably a couple of hundred million to have a traditional quote unquote single family office. But with the utilization of technology and greater outsourcing, I am going to state that it's possible to have a single family office at only, and I'm doing air quotes, everyone, only a couple of tens of millions of dollars. Oh, David, You're it's there. within reach. <laughs> so, so when you say virtual family office, I'm thinking like, so you being the accountant or bookkeeper, you'd have your own virtual family office, but you would take Blake on as a client and me as a client. You'd have multiple clients? No. Uh, so again, I'm going to, I probably need to define the single family office. It's one fam family, keyword there is family, <laughs> one family or individual of great wealth. And let's define that as someone hits it big in the, in the jackpot today at the MGM. Mm -hmm. And okay, it's not one or 200 million, it's 30 or 40 million, God forbid. They now have enough resources where like, wow, I'm rich, but I care about my legacy, I care about taxation, I care about investing, and now everyone ignored me before, and now everyone's coming after me. And they're gonna be in it for themselves. So how about this? I create my own company, I hire one or two people dedicated to me 24 seven. Mm -hmm. They're all mine. That's all they could do. And now I know, in theory, my interest is in their heart because they're totally dedicated to me. It's my company. I created right. it, and I could trust that they're going to be dedicated to me because I'm paying them to be, and they don't need other clients. If they have other clients, that's going to, in theory, water down their focus to me. I want them 24-7, and I'm willing to pay for that. Got it. Single-family office ultra-high net worth individuals or families who have a dedicated accounting finance team for them. Yes, but in theory, with a smaller virtual single-family right. office where, so the keyword virtual means it's going to be a lot of outsourcing and the utilization of technology for communication, for project management, for accounting, mm -hmm. uh, and it gets better all the time. It's never been easier. Uh, Sage Intact is an amazing company for families that have multiple LLCs, multiple entities, multiple trust, and doing it one by one is a lot of work. So having a company like Sage Intact, it streamlines the capability to get the information how you want to get it. And if you get it in a more timely manner and with less errors than the traditional method of doing it, you can make more timely investment and tax decisions as well. So it's a risk mitigation tool as well. But the key things in a virtual family office are outsourcing and technology. So certainly technologies yeah. are going to be a big part of it. So what's, what sort of outsourcing are you talking about? Like um, maybe a virtual family office, I only hire one CFO for my family, and then he yes. delegates everything? Correct. Like, well, let's go, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So a more traditional family office, half a billion dollars and up, and let's just say you have 15 people that work there. You have a CEO, you have a CFO, you have an analyst, you have a, a CIO on investments, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. That also means you got to manage people. Uh, people maybe get bored, they leave, you have to replace them. And when you have employees, uh, 
hate to say this, but sometimes things go wrong. You get workplace issues, you get sexual harassment, you get, well, they need to go on vacations, they need disability insurance, uh, they're human, they have ups and downs. Well, it's like a real business at that point. It's a real, and maybe if you're the family or the CEO, you don't want or necessarily need that. So how about you, you form your entity, you streamline operations, you hire one or two people that are very good at communication and maybe broader knowledge. And then it's like, okay, we have this legal issue, then let's source the best legal person right. for the job. We don't need to have them 24 seven and pay them half a million dollars a year. We're gonna use them for this trust in the state's work. We're gonna use this attorney for companies we're looking to buy that need to handle the transaction. So that applies not just to legal, that could apply to investing, uh, accounting, and many other things where the job of that virtual family office is to outsource by best in breed. Now that does beg the question, uh, is well, how do you measure the results and success? Well, one, you gotta clarify the goals of that individual or family. Because sometimes with wealthy individuals, a shock to all of you, they change their mind a lot. So you need to understand what are your goals that you want us and me as a single family mm-hmm. office to focus on. And by the way, I'm probably gonna ask you that every two weeks, and we're gonna clarify where we are in these goals right now so you understand it. But to help understand whether the outsourcing is doing a good job, you want to clarify the goals among all the parties involved, what's expected. You want to have great communication, not good, but great. Mm -hmm. Uh, You want to measure. So how do you benchmark? How do you do best practices of what the other best of the best virtual single family offices are doing? And then how do you stress test? And I spoke a little bit about that in my session where you have other experts that look at the work that someone else has done. They're not going to replace them, but you want a second set of eyes or a third set of eyes because this money is so important and it's important for the person running the single family office. So you could do things without having a whole bunch of employees. Some single family offices have 100 to 200 employees. And for them, that may be applicable. But if you're looking at a you know, not hundreds of millions, or you don't want to manage a Mm -hmm. big dispersed group of people. And I can make the argument, if you are a smaller family unit and you're traveling around the world, have one anchor entity and a couple of employees, but then have different outsource partners even beyond the U.S., around the world, that help in certain specific legal tax and investment issues. You don't have to hire them. You're outsourcing them. And how do you manage that? Well, use technology like Trello for project management. Use a Slack and Asana for Mm -hmm. communication. Use even social media. Use a private network on Facebook or LinkedIn. And then you have, again, the accounting software that we briefly discussed. Technology and AI is making all of this easier. Now, a problem is... I mean, I'm 53, I'll give that as an example. Now, I happen to have a Gen Zer at home, he's 16. So the average Gen Zer goes on their phone, by the way, 116 times a day. Technologies to me are not quite as native. I have to think about it. I got to work a little harder, but I know it's important. Mm-hmm. So what you may want to do is incorporate people where technology is just more natural and native to them. They're a little bit more used to a quasi outsource world and how they collaborate and how they communicate is different than people in my age bracket. Now, I'm not quite saying go out there and hire a 21-year-old. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Bill.com. As a listener, you've probably heard Blake and I speak about Bill.com on numerous occasions. It feels like they're discussed monthly in either new news or new announcements. But I'm betting there are some things you don't know about Bill.com. Did you know 
Customers used Bill.com platform to process over $70 billion in payments for the 2019 fiscal year that they partnered with several of the largest U.S. financial institutions like Bank of America, PNC, and Chase. More than 70 of the top 100 U.S. accounting firms use Bill.com. Bill.com not only connects to all the popular accounting software providers, they also connect to many of your favorite apps as well. To learn more about how Bill.com's AI-enabled financial software platform creates connections between businesses and helps manage cash inflows and outflows, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash bill. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash B-I-L-L. Well, speaking of that, but <laughs> speaking of hiring a 21-year-old, uh, many of our listeners are students or new in their careers as CPAs or accountants and bookkeepers. If they are excited by family office as a career, like how do you, how do you even get into that? Because it's very niche, right? Very small. It's very niche and until the rise of the virtual single family office, which will change things, I mean, how many people are worth half a billion dollars or more? You know, it may be eight or 10,000 around the world. Uh, so it's hard for someone younger to get into a position to even be an intern at a quote-unquote a single-family office. Mm-hmm. And they're dispersed. They could be anywhere. Yeah. Obviously, there's going to be more of them in New York, in San Francisco, in London, Moscow, Hong Kong, etc. It's going to be where the wealth is a little bit concentrated. There's not a great career path at the moment because single-family offices are relatively limited number. They're fragmented. You know one, you know one. They're like snowflakes. They're all different. Uh, But there's tremendous interest of getting involved in a single-family office, even though it has both positives, but it has negatives. Uh, For a younger person, I would say, and finding out single-family offices is almost impossible and so hard. Because a lot of wealthy families uh, don't want that family office to be public. You got it. They want to be private. Yeah, so it's got some obscure name on the LLC, and there's no... There's no, there's no uh, sign on the door, right? Here's a couple of things that I may recommend to someone younger. One of them may be interning, getting the experience, improving your worth. The other that we hinted at in a pre-conversation is a lot of the families that created wealth are getting older. They're in their 60s or 70s. They're transitioning to the millennials that are upwards of, what, 37 at the year that we're talking now. So they might have went to school with some of the family yeah. members of wealthy families. Or if they're a Gen Zer, they're in high school or college. So what's going to be their peer network? They have to look a little creatively around it and see where that could align. The other thing that we spoke about is the older generation, if they don't relate to the millennials and they don't understand how they communicate, how they make decisions, they're not going to have a job. So there will be a transition of jobs to a younger generation of people. And maybe the last thing I'll bring up is if we're talking virtual family office and technology technology, 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 the younger generation is going to be more fluid in various technological advancements and how to win. I would even consider, and I mentioned this to some SFOs that are a little more dated, uh, bring in like a tech whiz that's young and dynamic and have him work with one, adding an intern or two, but changing a little bit of the culture and changing the technological tools that your family office is using. Now, the only challenge with that is some older people are maybe a little bit hard to learn a new trick, but they could. They're going to have to see and have the desire to do so, but that could be a value to everyone. So it sounds like if I'm an accountant and my history's always been accounting and tax and bookkeeping and I, I get all that. I really have to develop a whole set of new skill sets of management and communication to really run a family office, especially one of these virtual family offices because I'm kind of an orchestrator at that point. I'm not really just running numbers. 
You are correct. So the skill set basically involves how do I become a leader? But becoming a leader is going to be something you should be learning in your own family initiatives with your own friendships and relationships. And how do you become a good listener? Uh, how do you come up with... So the one th there's a couple of things a family office can't outsource. So what is that going to be? It's going to be the creative part, own the idea, leadership. How do you inspire and motivate others? And how do you communicate and execute upon the service to the family? So you are correct. You're almost implying that maybe accountants are going to be intellectual and smart and they're going to understand numbers, but maybe they're not always going to be great on the softer skills, the uh, emotional intelligence part. I don't think that's necessarily true, by the way, but let's even assume that stereotype. In that case, then you are correct. Learning about how do I become a better listener? Uh, how do I be a leader? How do I communicate? And I'm going to say that's going to benefit them in life, not just yep. in this specific job situation. They should be starting to do that anyway. Could I make the argument that accounting, legal, and many professions with the greater advancements in AI and technology is going to make the more mundane aspects of those jobs going to be replaced by technology and AI? And then we come down to what Davos spoke about the year prior at their meeting. What are the 10 most needed skills to move forward over the next 10 years in a job? And it's being collaborative. It's globalization. It's being a good listener. It's working in different teams from people that you may not be as used to. How do you collaborate and lead each other to come to the best conclusion or the best answer to the questions that you're bringing up? So those are the skills that are going to be needed, and I think they could be learned. Are there any downsides to family offices? Like, do families fight? Like, what are the biggest challenges? If I was someone looking to work inside a family office, potentially the biggest challenge is, okay, great, I'm hired for this position. The family principal, let's use that word, is 73 years old. They're probably not going to live forever. So I'm giving up a career where I have a diversity of clientele working in a traditional accounting firm. And I'm getting all the advantages now of never needing to rain make. I'm just working for one family. But a couple of the downsides are, do I get bored after two or three years if they're too small and not doing enough interesting things? And by getting bored, do I also not sharpen my skills as much because I don't have enough different things coming at me? So that's one big issue. And the other that I hinted at is suppose that more elder principle, if, I don't, if they don't have a younger family that is involved and interested, uh, what happens if they die or get disabled and I'm um, two years in, my skills might have slightly diminished if I'm not seeing as many diverse clientele anymore. I'm not rainmaking as much. I'm not networking. I'm not meeting as many people. And now I feel like, oops, I got to start over all again. So those are two big challenges. How did you get into the family office business? No one wanted to hire me. <laughs> That's 90% true. Uh, I was at UBS and also, but the real driver, I've been in financial services and I've been an investor, mainly a startup investor for a fair number of years. But the main way is I approached the hedge fund association and supposedly I live in the headquarters of the world for hedge funds in Greenwich, Connecticut. And I'm like, hey, hedge fund association, you have no chapter here. You know, let me start a chapter for you. And they were kind enough to take a risk. I enjoyed organizing uh, writing, thought leadership, programming, introducing speakers, picking out speakers, topics. I like the process of running effectively a membership organization and events. And I'm like, you know, who needs to only make their money in financial services, given that I have some relationships with families and single family offices? Hey, let me create my own kind of a family office organization dedicated to single family offices that is a deep thinker, a writer, a thought leader. So I like the intellectual part, but also host a variety of programs and 
here I am now, about 11 or 12 years later, so I guess it's working. And how many members do you have, and where do they hail from? Are they all over the world? Yes. The uh, they are all over the world. I would say, well, to be exact with our numbers, about 93%, I think, are U.S.-centric. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly going to be where some of the wealth is a little bit focused on. Greenwich, New York, Boston, Miami, Palm Beach, Orange County, L.A., San Francisco, Silicon Valley. So it tends to be a little coastal, but I have members in Iowa and Wyoming. I have members in the Caribbean. I have members on, I think, practically all continents. Uh, And we're looking to become even more global uh, from our perspective and what we do. And we have over 200 direct families and single family offices who are committed members. So if anybody wants to learn more about the family office or learn about the family office association, how do they get a hold of you or stay in touch? Sure. Uh, Our website is simply our company name, familyofficeassociation.com. My email is angelo at familyofficeassociation.com. I wrote a book. I have others coming out next year. They can look me up on Amazon by my name. And I do have a podcast myself. It's on iTunes for Apple users and Stitcher for, I guess, Android users. I think uh, iCloud. iHeart as well, if I remember correctly. You could likely look it up from my name. It's Angelo. Last name is Robles, R-O-B-L-E-S. But it does have a name for now. We call it uh, Effective Family Office. And we'll put that in the show notes so everybody can link to it and find it very easily and subscribe. And I've got a new show to listen to. I'm I'm looking forward to that. You may have too many podcasts on your rotation now. (laughs) I'll I'll knock one of those, one of the other ones out. You just stop listening to the cloud accounting podcast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Then our numbers will go down. Uh, Well, Angelo, thank you so much for joining us and giving us your time today and uh, safe travels back to uh, Connecticut. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you, guys. Love you. Thanks. Bye-bye.